Well, good morning, church. It's a good day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Well, we are in week five of our sermon series, looking at some of the parables that Jesus told as he taught about the principles of God. So parables are short stories, and Jesus knows that stories are a powerful way to bring understanding and perspective to a teaching. We love stories, and we're captivated by storytellers. We're drawn in as we read of Jesus telling these stories, unfolding these deeper principles of faithfulness and fruitfulness. And in each of the stories that we have looked at, Jesus is teaching about what the kingdom of heaven is like. He's been talking about God's love and grace and that he is always at work in the little things and in the big things, that he's always moving and making room. He's always growing uh, things into fruitfulness. He's always hiding away treasures in places we don't think to look. He's always giving us opportunities to increase our investment, to enlarge our reach, to become more about the things of God in our everyday lives. Today we're looking at uh, two parables, the parable of the two sons and the parable of the tenants. And this is from Matthew chapter 21, verses 23 through 46. Scripture says this. Jesus entered the temple courts, and while he was teaching, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him. By what authority are you doing these things, they asked, and who gave you this authority? Jesus replied, I will also ask you one question. If you answer me, I will tell you by what authority I am doing these things. John's baptism, where did it come from? Was it from heaven or of human origin? They discussed it among themselves and they said, if we say from heaven, he will ask, then why didn't you believe him? But if we say of human origin, we are afraid of the people, for they all hold that John was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, we don't know. Then he said, neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. What do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, Go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered, but later he changed his mind and he went. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir, but he did not go. Which of the two did what his father wanted? The first, they answered. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you to show you the way of righteousness and you did not believe him, but the tax collectors and prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. Listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard. He put a wall around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. Then he rented a vineyard to some farmers and moved to another place. When the harvest time approached, he sent his servants to the tenants to collect his fruit. The tenants seized his servants. They beat one, killed another, and stoned a third. Then he sent other servants to them, more than the first time. And the tenants treated them the same way. Last of all, he sent his son to them. They will respect my son, he said. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to each other, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and take his inheritance. So they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? He will bring those wretches to a wretched end, they replied. And he will rent the vineyard to other tenants who will give him his share of the crop at harvest time. Jesus said to them, Have you never read the scriptures? The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to people who will produce its fruit. Anyone who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces. Anyone on whom the stone falls will be crushed. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard Jesus' parables, they knew he was talking about them. They looked for a way to arrest him, but they were afraid of the crowd 
because the people held that he was a prophet. Okay. So Jesus is becoming more and more well-known by this point in Matthew's gospel, and he, he comes with this message of grace and mercy and forgiveness. And in many ways, that, the message that God is not fair because he does not treat us the way our sins deserve. Because what we really deserve is death and separation from God, but, but the kingdom of God is about grace. It is a wide open, spacious place where God meets us time and time again with goodness that we do not deserve. And no matter how much we fail and fall short of God's best for us, God continues to show us love and grace. God is just and he is generous. And this is the message that Jesus brings to the people. But it is not the way that they have known God to be. So up to this point, they've known God to be powerful and holy and unapproachable. And the way that they were taught to communicate with him came with a sense of order and ceremony and intimidation. And Jesus comes with this message of grace and intimacy with God. And the chief priests and the elders of the people had become accustomed to and even stuck in the way that they had always related to God. And Jesus came with ways that they they didn't like and thoughts that they didn't understand. And in their pride, they hardened their hearts against Jesus. And in doing so, they hardened their hearts against God and and how he wanted to move among the people with with a power and an anointing like they had never seen before. It was the religious people, the chief priests and the elders, who did not recognize God moving. And I think that's because they were too busy being about the business of God. Too busy looking at the details and worrying about the bottom line, spending too much time just doing things the way that they had always done them. Too busy being about the business of God to recognize the moves of God. Their hearts were so set on what they thought was the right direction for the church that they could not recognize that Jesus himself, the Messiah that they had been waiting for and praying for, was right there in front of them. And not only would they not receive him, but they set out to destroy him. And as I read this passage of scripture, it hurts my heart because I know the very real danger of losing sight of the reality of Jesus as we labor for the church. And as much as it angers me when I read about their resistance to Jesus, I can't help but feel compassion and sadness as I reflect on how all too often those of us who labor for the cause of Christ become so busy in the doing that we lose sight of God moving in ways that we are not accustomed to him moving. So God showed me that it really is just about a spirit of pride that slowly creeps in on all of us and it threatens to steal away the blessings of God and the softness of the spirit. And as much as I want to be just downright angry at those guys for questioning the authority of Jesus, I can't help but feel humbled by the reality that when we, that all of us at one point in time stand in those shoes as well. We all have questioned the authority of Jesus and the authority of those who labor in his name and it really is just a spirit of pride that trips us up and causes us to miss Jesus standing there 
right in front of us. They missed Jesus because they were too consumed with all the details of the business of God. And may God have mercy on us for so often we do the very same thing. One of the leading messages that I see here in these two parables is about the danger of pride and how we easily get so tripped up in it. So let's look a little deeper at these two stories. The first parable, the story of the two sons. So let's say you have two sons and you tell one of them to do something and he says, no. But then after a while, he changes his mind and he goes and does what you've asked. Your second son says he will do what you ask, but then he doesn't. So it's not really so much about who said he would do it. It's about the actual doing. It's not so much about the words, it's about the action. So the chief priests and the elders, they talked about the things of God. They spoke of his power and his goodness and his love. They talked about the God who is big enough, the God who would save them from their sin and themselves. They talked about the Messiah, but they failed to see him. They failed to obey him. They failed to follow after him. They got stuck. And the pride in their hearts prevented them from seeing the truth of the reality of Jesus right in front of them. Truly, I tell you, the tax collectors and prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him, Jesus said. So I tell you the truth. It's not so much about what you say as it is about what you do. It's about how you respond when God is at work around you. And it doesn't matter if you're new to the things of God or if you've been walking with him for as long as you can remember. It's about believing and obeying and letting go of how you have always done it and just let God teach you and lead you and move you every day, yes? So in the parable of the tenants, we see some farmers who rented land and they entered into an agreement with the landowner, but they did not keep their agreement. They did not do what they said they would do. When the landowner sent the servants to collect the fruit, they, they killed them, not once, but twice, and then they killed the owner's only son. They did not honor their word, and they did not respect the landowner or any of his things or his people. And when the landowner comes, he will deal very harshly with them, and, he will, and, and they will pay with their very lives. And then the landowner, well, he'll find some other farmers who will keep their word and will obey and not just say the words of agreement, but they will walk in agreement. So it's not about the saying, it's about the doing. A spirit of pride and greed caused these farmers to concentrate only on their own interest and their own way and not submit to the authority of the owner. And I believe with all my heart that it was pride that caused the religious leaders to be blind to the reality of Jesus standing there right in front of them. And I'm here to tell you that the very same thing is still happening today in churches across the country and around the world. And the root of this is this spirit 
of pride, this raging voice inside of us that causes us to act in our own intentions and interests and to rage against authorities that should have place in our lives. It's that spirit of, I don't have to do what you say. I know better than you do. We so often see that kind of attitude in our children and our young people. In adults, we see it expressed this way. Well, it's easier to ask for forgiveness than it is to seek permission. It's easier to just do something the way we want to do and behind the back of those in authority and then say, oh, I'm sorry. Well, that's the way we did it. Guess there's not much we can do to change it now. We see that kind of attitude around us all the time in our jobs, in our community, and even in our churches and in our families. And it really is plain old pride. Refusing to be held accountable, refusing to submit to the authority that's placed over us. Just like these tenants, we foolishly think that we're getting away with it. But one day the landowner will show up on the scene and he will deal harshly with those who would not stay true to their word, who would not honor their agreements, who would not submit to the authorities placed over them. So may we take to heart this lesson, for we live and walk in a world that is full of pride. We are a generation that has lost sight of the wisdom of knowing the difference between taking a stand for something that is good and right and just plain disobedience that cries, I don't want to and I don't have to and you can't make me. Last Sunday, we took a few minutes to honor our members of our military, especially those who have given their lives in the service of our nation. And I want you to understand that there is a big difference between taking pride and being prideful. We take pride in our nation, in our children, in our beliefs, in our way of life, and that's a different kind of pride than what we're talking about here in these two parables. That kind of pride causes us to see good and stand up for righteousness and pull together and live with honor. But the pride that we see here in the parables is not like that. This is the spirit of pride. The spirit that says, I know what is better for me and I will do it my way and, and I don't need to listen to you and I'm not going to listen to you. And it is that kind of pride that cuts down people and seeks only its own gain and its own pleasure. And that is not who or what we are called to be as children of God. But as we walk in this world we see more and more of that destructive pride having its way in the lives of God's people. Verse 40, 43 says, Therefore I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to people who will produce its fruit. See, if we allow our hearts to be hardened by the pride that rages around us, and if we walk in the attitude of you can't make me and refuse to fall under the godly authority that is placed in our lives, then we stand a very real chance of having the kingdom taken away from us and put in the hands of those who will bear fruit. Well, so what does that, what does that really mean? I think it means that God is on a mission. It's the same mission that he's been on since Adam and Eve ate the apple in the garden. The mission is to bring reconciliation between God and humankind that we might once again walk in harmony with God, enjoying his fellowship, living in his love, walking in his truth. He's made that possible once again through the work of Jesus on the cross, his blood shed, his body broken, that we might be made whole and come to live and walk with him in very real ways. And God has given us 
the ministry of reconciliation, that we might be people who share his love and help others to find the truth and, and the peace of his love and his grace. But, but too often we get caught up in the things of the world. We judge people by the standards of the world. We withhold love and truth and grace from others because of the things that we ourselves determine that we do not like or approve in others. But we are to be about the way of the Father, and that is our mission, loving people and pointing them to Jesus. And if we, if we let things get in the way of that, if we let the spirit of pride stop us from reaching out in love and showing Jesus and pointing others to him, then we are in danger of losing God's blessing, his anointing, and his power. And in our, our midst, that, that influence of the favor that God gives us to accomplish that mission, we're in danger of losing that. It will be taken from us and given to someone else who will produce fruit, who will love on people and point people to Jesus. And that should be a sobering thought to the worldwide church. And we've seen the reality of churches that were once strong and faithful become stuck in their ways and lose sight of his mission. And not only do they no longer bear fruit, but so many of them no longer are in existence. And what has happened is this very thing that Jesus is saying here. He's looking for people that will live on mission, people who will live his love and his grace and stay in tune with how he is moving and move with him that they might always bear fruit. Okay, so I know there's not a lot of warm, fuzzy feelings in this message today. But, but this is the parables. This is God's word, and Jesus made sure to include this in his teaching. And it's important for us to, to learn and obey. And, and honestly, when I sat down to prepare this message, I was like, hey, God, like I know that you've directed us to the parables for this season, but hey, would it be possible, could I preach like a, a different text today? Because you see, I don't like talking about this any, any more than you like hearing about it. But this is the text that God's given us for this morning. This is his accountability check for our hearts. It's a reminder that we need to remain teachable, that we need to keep him as Lord of our hearts and our minds and our lives because we can so easily become prideful and self-focused. So it is a difficult message today, but also I see an encouragement in all of this too. You see, we have, as a church, stepped into a new season, a season of embracing a new way of thinking that leads to a new pathway of doing, a season of recovery from a crisis that has impacted every part of our world, a season of laying down the security and sense of ownership and identity that we thought we could count on and could make sense of in this world. And in the midst of this season, God is recreating the church worldwide. He is redefining what makes us who we are. He is refocusing our hearts on his mission and his passion. He is doing a new thing in us and around us and through us. He is saying to the worldwide church the same thing that he is saying to these chief, chief priests and elders. He's saying, where is the focus of your heart? Is it on trying to maintain this experience as you've always known it to be? Is it to be in the, in, in the business of the kingdom? Or is it 
on allowing yourselves to be positioned in a place where you recognize Jesus standing right in front of you, even if he looks different than you thought he would. See, we've been given an opportunity to be remade and refocused and renewed as a church worldwide, as a local body of believers, and also as individuals. And we have a choice to make about who we will really follow and how we will follow him. And we can continue to just get by saying all the right words, but it's not really about the words we say. It's about the follow-through. It's about the what we do. And what we need to do is recognize that God is moving in new ways. That Jesus comes with a message of grace and mercy and forgiveness and intimacy with God. And sometimes he comes in ways that we do not like or understand or are even comfortable with. But we cannot allow pride to harden our hearts to the movements of God in our midst. Because God is moving. He is at work among the young and the old, the seasoned believer and those who you wouldn't even expect to believe, among the sinner and the saint. God is moving. He is speaking. He does not slumber or sleep. He is always doing something, always moving forward, and he is expecting us to bear fruit. He's calling us to do something with our days on this planet, something that would bring people closer to the kingdom. God is looking for people who will produce the fruit of the kingdom. So may we embrace the movements of God, even though we don't always understand or even like what it is that he's doing. For the stone the builders rejected, the stone that they didn't think was good enough, it is actually the capstone, the finishing stone, the crowning element. It is Jesus who comes with a message of grace and hope and peace and intensity for the kingdom of God. And I don't really know what it is exactly that Jesus is saying in verse 44 when he says, anyone who falls on the stone will be broken to pieces and anyone on whom it falls will be crushed. But I had this thought. As we, as we walk out our faith, we can so easily become like these religious leaders, hard-hearted to the things of God. But if we remain open and teachable, God will begin to break the hardness of our hearts in all sorts of different ways. And it's like sometimes we're just going on doing our regular business and we trip over Jesus. All of a sudden, something grabs our attention and we go, hey, I've got my focus in the wrong place. And God just reminded me of that. That's what I call tripping over Jesus. Sometimes we just trip over Jesus. We fall on the stone and we are broken into pieces. But in our brokenness, that's when he teaches us even more and he grows us up more in his ways. And if we will learn from that brokenness, then we will not be crushed by the stone. Yes? So may we continue to seek and learn to follow God as he moves. May we recognize that we are being recreated and renewed and repositioned. May we be more about the doing and not just the saying. May we be fruitful. May we always bear fruit. May we also always be found in Jesus. And to him be the glory and the honor and the praise forever and forever. Amen?
Let's pray. Father God, we, we thank you and we praise you for the opportunity that you give us to come around your word, the opportunity that you give us to, to come in fellowship with other believers, the opportunity that you give us to kind of flesh out the things that you've given us in your word. And God, if we were to be honest this morning, we'd have to admit that each and every one of us has stood in the, in the shoes of those chief priests and elders. Each and every one of us has, has seen you move in ways that we don't necessarily like or understand, and we fail to recognize that it's you. God, forgive us that sometimes we, so, we hold so tightly to the ways that we've always done something, the ways that we've always understood something, and sometimes that closes our hearts and our minds to the reality of what you're doing. God, forgive us for the times that Jesus has stood right in front of us and we failed to recognize you. God, we're so grateful that you are the God who, who forgives and not only forgives but restores. And so, and so we, we pray that you, you not only forgive us for those things but that you would help us to, to do better, that you would help us to look with your lenses, that you would help us to, to, to be attentive to the reality of what you are doing, that we would look less to our own interests and more to the interests of the kingdom and how we can love others and how we can point others to you by the way that we live in this life. God, we are so grateful that you do not give us what, you do, what we deserve, that you are gracious, that you are generous, that you are faithful even when we are faithless. God, we don't deserve you, but we're so grateful that we have you. I pray that you would continue to speak to each and every one of our hearts. God, I pray that you give us that encouragement that we need to turn our eyes away from the things of the world, even when those things impact our own interests. And that we would just always seek after your face, that we would trust in the reality of your faithfulness and your love in our lives. We thank you and we praise you for everything that you are. In Jesus' name, amen.